Hello, Malcolm here, and thank you for watching the video or listening to the podcast of the Watford Church of Christ. We're currently preaching and teaching through our five church aspirations, as we call them, to be God-focused, to be relationship-based, to enable our children to become Christians, to be always free but spiritual, and fifthly, to toil to build the church well. And those spell great. We want to be a great church to God's glory. So we're beginning 2018 by focusing on these, preparing our hearts and minds to be ready for the year ahead. If you've got any thoughts on any of these topics, then please leave a comment, contact us via the Facebook page, the website, the Twitter feed, and so on. We hope you enjoy what you're about to see and hear. So first of all, I have a question for you. What are your children like? What are, what are children like, if I can ask the angels. congregation? They're like angels. They're like angels all the time. Sometimes like angels. There's, a, there's, a, there's enthusiasm that's not learned. Enthusiasm, natural. Yes. They're authentic, all different. Penny. There's an individual as adults. Yeah. Lively. Are they hungry? Yes. All the time. Yes. They never stop being hungry. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> it looks like she's had all the pies <laughs> yeah and as they grow older they have different traits infants different to teens different challenging you know we were once it's hard to believe we were once old children yes even Malcolm was once child <laughs> and we all had a childhood that could have been a positive thing. It might have been a negative thing or a bit of both. But as I teach today, um, I want us to be mindful that we were once children. I want to be mindful of what our parents were like with us. I've got a question. What were some of the things that made your childhood a good experience? What are the things you're fond of, if I can ask around? Your siblings. Yeah? Do you remember good times spent with your, your sister? Yeah? Actually, it got me always into trouble. <laughs> Any other good experiences we can remember with our family, parents? Family holidays. Family holidays. Yeah. Anybody else? Go on. Make them up. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's sweet. Interesting as a parental role, although I'm a great grandfather, in my present role I have to be a father. Yep. Which is difficult because that's a long time ago. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's not really grandfathering, it's, it's fathering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as we get older, we can forget what we're like as children, right? I can forget. No idea. <laughs> Becky, what are you going to say? Creating a close family unit that's still close now, mm. Mm. Even, even beyond childhood. Yeah. You know, some of us may have, have had bad experiences as children. I don't know if it's probably appropriate to share them right now in the congregation, but some of us do. 
And it's mindful us to, mind, it's, we need to be mindful of that as we carry in, into our parenting that, you know, that could help us and that can maybe not help us, if that makes sense. My childhood was a great childhood. I remember I was lucky enough to be born uh, in a cul-de-sac in this new estate and then basically our back garden overlooked into this brook and this massive farmer's field where the, the grass was that tall. She used to play army and tend, she used to always be outdoors. I was very, very fond of, the, of my childhood. Uh, just be able to play outdoors and run free and, and, and things. It's something what I think is really important for children. You know, we, we may even carry on family traditions that made us happy. It makes us feel good as we remember the fond times that we had and we want to make them fond times with our own family so we carry them forward. You know, Becky was sharing with us this morning that um, um, we have a tradition that if someone's birthday in our family they get to choose the takeaway. So it's KFC or whatever. We have a takeaway together as a family. Yeah, and um, she was also sharing about when she was younger, they used to all get up really early in the morning on someone's birthday and uh, do presents and sing. Which um, I've come to adjust to that, uh, <laughs> getting up really early in the morning. But it's not a tradition that we had. You know, we had to wait after school to open our presents. So it's the kind of tradition what um, I've had to be involved in very enthusiastically. <laughs> <laughs> half asleep singing happy birthday <laughs> but the kids love it the kids love coming downstairs you know their birthday even when they're teenagers they love it you know you can't you can... <laughs> to take that family tradition away now would be awful I used to um, I still do put footprints of talcum powder at Christmas to the mince pie um, but two or three years ago my son is now 28 I forgot to do it, and he came down. He said, "Where are the footprints?" Twenty-eight. <laughs> 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 wow. Isn't it funny how we take them things away and they get upset because we're so used to them? <laughs> yeah. And does he do it with these kids? Yeah. yeah. Does he do it with these kids one day? Oh, he's, he won't have kids. Oh, okay. Okay. It's a computer gig. It's a computer gig. So, um, warning. This is not a parenting class. This is about enabling our children to become Christians as a church. But before we do that and come to start talking about what we can do as a church, it's good for us to identify our parental role at home in our family lives. So I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about the church role uh, and understand the difference of the stages that as children grow, we do different things and potential pitfalls we can maybe fall into. Uh, and to be aware of a child's abilities at different ages, I think, is important as they go through the transition of different stages in life. But I want to have a bit of a discussion and split them into two or three groups of different ages and really try and figure out what we can do to inspire our children to become Christians. And then come together and talk about it. And any new suggestions. Then talk about at the end just about what kind of culture we want to try and create in the church to build that platform, that culture to make it easier for our children to one day say yes, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my lives. Now we all take parenting with a slightly different view and we tackle it with what we've learned and experienced in our own childhood, our cultural background. But the Bible and God's standard should always be the authority over our culture, 
or what our, our parents taught us. Some may be in line, and some may be not be in line. We realise that in order to help our children become Christians one day, our example and our, uh, our, one day our example and demonstrating a healthy Christian life is a massive factor. Not sure about you guys, but this can feel like a massive burden and create a fear in us and a guilt in us that we can never shake off as you walk around feeling like hypocrites. Because our children see the good, the bad, and the ugly of us as sinners. And we can feel like we're altering their course of their destiny. We're altering their path as we wrong them or sin. God has given us the, the responsibility to raise our children. That responsibility does not belong to the school that they attend or the church they attend. It's the school's job to educate on our behalf as well as the education they receive through family life and parenting. And it's the church's responsibility for our children to be brought up in a healthy, godly environment. It's the church's responsibility to help, enable and inspire our kids and anybody else's kids one day to become followers of Jesus. And despite of how, we, how much we uh, feel about our kids from time to time, <laughs> children are a blessing. In Psalms it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, the children are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with the enemies in the gate. Children are a blessing. And then this scripture here really highlights how much we mean to him individually. The lengths he goes to. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of that one that went astray? And if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That should be our heart as a church. That should be our heart for our children. That not one of them will perish. Everybody will find the right path. And that we'll do everything capable in our power to help people to find God. Basically, they're on a rescue mission. From the very start, when they're born, but on a rescue mission. <clears throat> so, enabling versus helping. Is there a difference? What is the difference? Is it the same? It sounds simple, but actually there is a slight difference. So, helping is doing something for someone else that they are not capable of doing for themselves. And enabling gives someone the means and authority to be able to do something to make possible. And I made a point there, I'll talk about it, we can be too helpful. So, when do we help, when do we enable? You know, one of the things what we can fall into the trap of is that um, we think suffering is bad. So we overprotect our children. Which stops our children from learning important lessons in life. Growing 
and becoming resilient. Understanding the pattern of asking forgiveness and being forgiven. If they don't experience it, they will not know how to demonstrate it. So an example of that is, is especially for younger children, we, they do something wrong and then we, don't, we ignore it. And they don't learn the, 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 the right way to be told off, be forgiven and move on. And, sh- and, and receive that forgiveness, that repentance and then that, and that moving on. If they don't experience that from a young age, they won't really show it in their lives, in their friendships. So it's really important that they understand that pattern of forgiveness and being forgiven. In Romans 5, verse 3 to 4, it says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. One of the other pitfalls we might fall into is that we like the feeling of control. In a weird kind of sense, we, um, we allow our children to become codependent, so we may control over the child. Now, this is true of teens. Perhaps we over-control because we're fearful of certain outcomes. We're fearful that if we give them too much rain, they're not going to make the right choice. They're going to make, get themselves into a mess and then we've got to deal with that strife when it comes our way. And with the little ones, we don't control enough. Because if we say no to the child who's little, we've then got to deal with this child for having a disgruntled child and we want to maintain a peace. We don't want to have any drama. But actually, we're setting ourselves up for a fall. So at different stages in life, as the children are old or young, there's different shepherding what needs to go on. And I think we have to be mindful of that as parents. In Proverbs 22.15 it says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now one of my favourite movies as a child was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I love that movie. When the Umpalumpas talk about good children and bad children. What do you get when your kid is a brat? And I remember going to my grandma's. She had it on video. And every time I went to my grandma's, I watched that video over and over and over again. But it had an impact on me. I didn't want to be a nasty child or the bad egg. I wanted to be the good child. I wanted to be Charlie. I wanted to win, I wanted to win the reward. You know, can't we all relate to that? I want to win the reward. As our, ch- as our children get older and become t- teens, do we allow God to work? We don't like the idea of dealing with the strife that a trusting attitude can bring. Now, it's really important to deal with these things before they experience them in the world. When me and my wife were chatting about this, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like if we deal with the consequences when they're in our home, they're in our home, in the safety of our home, rather than not letting them, if we deal with them in the world, it can be much worse, if that makes sense. So it is really good to let our children make mistakes while they are with us so they can learn them lessons while they are with us in the home. Because one day they will not be at home. You know, when you intervene too much and not allow them to suffer the consequences of their actions, 
you're limiting how much God can work in that situation. In Galatians 6 it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Allowing another to suffer those consequences is in effect partnering with God. (coughs) How often do I think that as a parent? That if I allow my child to suffer the consequences of his actions, I'm partnering with God. But actually that's that's biblical. The justice of God is better than my justice. And if he learns it God's ways and, 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 and learns a good lesson out of it, it's better than trying to learn it from me. Also, comfortable people have zero motivation to change their behaviour. You know, if we allow our children to become too dependent, if we help too much, do they become too comfortable and lazy? Do they have to learn from their own mistakes? In Hebrews 12, it says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But after, but afterward, there, is a, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Showing people how to train, train themselves is a philosophy you can carry with you everywhere in life. And not just for your children and teenagers, but for, for everyone. Simply giving without requiring accountability is irresponsible. We need to develop discernment in how to know how to shepherd our children. So when, when, are we, when we're helping too much, we can actually prevent a lack of growth. You know, one thing I think is great, what, the, um, what Dawn's been doing with the preteens is that she's allowed the teens to develop their own curriculum. She's given them ownership of what, as to what they want to learn. So she's gone to the, with the preteens, got together with them, okay, what do you want to learn? Let's make it yours. That's a great way of helping children to develop their own conviction about wanting to learn about God. It's not something that's dictated or turned, but it makes it theirs. It makes it more exciting. And it gives them an ownership and a responsibility for their own spiritual state. Am I on the right? Uh, in a minute. So as a church, how do we support each other in this? There is our aspirations that one day our children will choose God for themselves and see Jesus and God and the Christian life to be attractive and how see living in the world without a relationship with God and the belief in Jesus can be detrimental. How can we paint the picture that living for God is not just for ourselves and for ourselves is the best decision that they can make with their lives? You know, I could force my children to pray, study the Bible. I could force Oliver or Jude to get baptised. I could, I could make them do it. Maybe because of the fear of how it looks to the wider congregation, I would really be on it and forceful that they've got to do it. But would that decision really be based on their realisation of their need for God? Or, or the understanding of God's character and love for them? What we want is not just for our children to become Christians and make one decision, which is where it starts, but we want our children to want a Christian life above all else for the rest of their lives, come what may. To be followers of Jesus. To have a healthy marriage. To one day become parents. We want them to honour God with their lives throughout the rest of their life. It's not about just getting them baptised. 
It's about helping them to live and walk a Christian life. No, Jesus enables us. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We cannot become Christians by ourselves. We all study the Bible with somebody else. We couldn't do it for ourselves. It took the love and kindness of somebody else, maybe in this room, to enable us to find God. It took somebody else to dunk us under the water. It took witnesses to see that we made a confession that Jesus was Lord. But once we begin to understand, and we've been taught a little bit, we can then help ourselves. We can build convictions of our own rather than relying on everyone. We begin to rely on God, but we still need help. So how can we do that as a church? How can we get to the stage where we're helping our kids to enable themselves and not overhelp so then they build conviction? I think that's a really important point. Otherwise it's spoon-fed. They need to develop it for themselves. We don't just want to baptise our kids and then... That's not helping. And also, it can become a burden. Their children shouldn't become a burden to us later in life. Now in Galatians it says, carry each other's burdens and in this, this, this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. We need to enable our children to take spiritual responsibility for themselves. And in Galatians it says, for each should carry their own load. But more importantly, how do we inspire our kids to do that? So what I want to do now is I want to split up into three groups. Yeah. <laughs> if I could uh, ask you guys, from, from, the, from the ages of two to five years old, that's wrong, a typo, um, what's important for them to know about God between two and five? Or... or Six months. a number of points. I think we felt it's really important that they are loved. Yeah. That we love them. And also for us to make time that we're going to spend time with them. And also more or less engage them constructively. Um, because we feel like if you do not start engaging and spending time with them, you actually know what their challenges are. They're like a broken Lego. You know, <laughs> you know how much so they will actually relate to you when they're much older with bigger issues yeah. in their lives. Whereas right now, you know, their sibling taking toys away from them, them wanting to be, that's their main, uh, you know. And um, finally, most important thing we thought is we need to start building relationships with our God with them. Yeah. In terms of start relating Bible stories and um, start separating facts from fiction and making them realize that um, you know, the Bible stories are very much real so they can start making that um, reference and start developing that context. Mm. And um, on the final point, and how do we really shepherd them in terms of praise, discipline, and choices? As we all know, every child is different. Yeah? You know, and every parent you know, is different as well. We've all been brought up in different ways. And um, 
and so what works for some people might not necessarily work um, for others. So great, it's um, everybody agrees that we should be, you know, commending them when they've done something really right, you know, well done. But at the same time, making sure it's not like you know watered down at every practically everything, you know, clap your hands as for taking a step there. We feel that's not really productive. Yeah. Mm. But praising them and acknowledging you know the things that they've done, we thought it was really good. Um, I'm going to talk about talk. I'm going to leave discipline to the last because yeah, uh, that's a very. We haven't solved that. Yeah, we haven't solved that. <laughs> but mm. in terms of choices, um, choices, it's um, it's we, we didn't because they're still very much young at this age. Yeah. So most of the choices that they're making, we are the one making it for them, literary, uh, you know, mm. in all sense. So the choices that every parent is doing, it's all more or less we go around in lifestyle. So discipline, that's a really tough one. Um, so, you know, we go countdown, uh, making them aware that there will be consequences to their action, like maybe threat of you might get spanked or you need us to actually shouted to you to stop you from doing what you're doing. And um, and also in terms of this is about consistency in what we actually um, do to um, to discipline them. Because if you if, if both parents are not in sync in how you intend to discipline the children, you might end up having um, you know the child children actually playing you off with one another. So I think um, it, it, it's, it's a very controversial area, I would say, mm. uh, because um, everyone, what works for us might not necessarily work for others, mm. and everyone has different priorities and that they really like their children to be more disciplined around. So, have uh, you like to have? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, that's yeah. from us, two to five. That's great. Any advice? Much appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what, what I try, what I, what I try and get out of this as well is, um, what is important for them to know about, about right now in terms of God and Jesus and that our discipline has to be consistent because God's consistent. It doesn't, it doesn't budge for for anyone, you know, if that makes sense. So we need to reflect God, God in that. We reflect God's discipline, but also reflect. In, the thing we forget about discipline is we, we forget, we miss out the end part, which is the reassurance and that forgiveness again, that reassurance that we still love them, that they're not in and out of our favour depending on if they're good or bad. They're always loved, if that makes sense. So we, it's being mindful that we're reflecting God's character through our parenting and that we can talk about God being, being loving and, and assuring and we're never out of favour of God. You'll always be loved, if that makes sense. So a very young age needs to understand that solid foundation, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then, you guys? Five to, it's five to ten? William certainly comes out with some questions and I don't know what the answers are. 
and so it's sort of like, hope to you, Neil. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I think it's sort of not feeling fearful that you have to answer all, answer all the time, but that you can actually, it can help your, their relationship grow in terms of their relationship with God as well, if you, if you sort of do it together as well and sort of research it together. Yeah. Um, so exploring together. Yeah. Um, shepherd in terms of praise, discipline, Well, it's been a week of discipline in our house. I think praise is really important to encourage them to sort of see that what, what's it help praise and choices kind of go along together, don't they? Really, because how how are you to make choices if you don't know what the right choices are? And if you've not been told, oh, that's a really good decision. Mm. That's a really good choice you've made there. Mm. Um, I know in uh, our children's school, they always talk about making good choices. And they talk about it quite openly in the school, like, oh, well done, you've made a good choice sitting still, you know. Mm. That's a good choice, you know. So it's kind of quite helpful because you could kind of implement that at home as well. Um, discipline. Children learn from a very early stage what yes and no is. And I think even, you know, even as babies they know what, the, what no means. And it's, as to them say, I think it's very individual to each child. We have two very different children in our household. And so discipline has to be different for both of them. And, you know, but there are consequences to actions that they make make or things that they may say and they need to understand that but they also need to understand that we too have the same thing with us and that if we get it wrong we have to apologise to them mm -hmm. and I think that's really important for them to see that because mm -hmm. then they realise oh, you too you know, you're, you're fallible as well and, and mm. you know, it doesn't mean that we're not loved and we're not forgiven as you were saying there mm. and things like that and that's a really big thing for children yeah Affirmation, that reassurance that children need. Yeah. Um, from the teens, did I do the teens before we talk about it? The, um, from the teens, the, um, the three things which felt there was no right now. Um, one is having boundaries, the, uh, the responsibilities and expectations of them within the family, within the wider family. Hmm. And um, obviously you've got to be thought through first what those are so they can be clearly articulated and help them understand that because that then means that they can work with those and discuss those boundaries with you rather than actually try to lay down the law as they would do when they're very, very young when they wouldn't be able to understand. Uh, the next thing was integrity. Um, helping them to understand they need to develop their own standard. This is who they are. So when you think of, for example, you went to, let's say, Oliver's school, went to the school, and said, Oliver Makinson, tell me about him. What would people say? What is, who is Oliver Makinson? Um, you know, in, in, in school, there are, the, almost everybody has some sort of faith. All the children have some sort of faith. Many just don't know it yet. I mean, the, in, in many schools, the biggest, um, would be those that have no belief in faith. They have no faith. They have a, they 
there's, there's lots of children growing up to be atheists whereby to be an atheist you've got to have more faith than anybody could possibly have. So to believe there's nothing, it takes a, the hugest leap of faith possible. So these teenagers are professed there's nothing really. It's not that they don't they believe there's nothing, they just haven't discovered yeah. it yet. Yeah. But Muslim children will be clearly uh, demonstrating of being Muslim. Sikh children will be clearly demonstrating of being Sikh. Christian children need to clearly demonstrate of being Christian. Uh, it's who you are. Mm. Um, but, but over all of that, one thing they must always know is that they're totally loved and accepted whatever happens in their lives, whatever they mm. do. They're always loved, always accepted. Always loved and accepted by us. Um, with regard to uh, discipline, praise, etc., Yep. And so, like a sauna. The, the, uh, <laughs> so, but creating an environment where they, they know they can just deliver bad news, whatever it is, they're still loved, still accepted, yep. etc., and then we can work together. Uh, and finding areas to praise, ways for helping out, ways for cleaning, cleaning their own room, ways uh, for staying out of trouble at school. Every day is a challenge. Yeah. You know, ways for getting through that challenge. So, cool. There was lots of contribution on our, you know, Thanks, Barry. Thanks, guys. And, and <coughs> got a teens, yeah. What time is it now? It's, it's nearly 5 2, so we need to wrap up fairly soon. That's all. I've, got a, I've got another slide as well to go, so. Briefly, a minute. <laughs> And we took into the example of the team camp, and we thought, what motivates us? The team camp, what demotivates us? And we said, what motivates us is like being like your friends a lot of time. There's that constant vibe of like uh, being around people that are there for the same reason as you, and you're there to kind of like find out like almost your identity, and, uh, for instance, and things like that. But we also said, what demotivates us is the. Uh, Waking up early. <laughs> 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 we, were, we were expected to have our, uh, have our like, flat chat and things like that, and that could end sometimes at 11 30, 12 o'clock, and then it's rise and shine at 6 in the morning, and then breakfast starts at 6 30, and 
Why are you smiling then if you don't like it? <laughs> cool. Let's move on then, because we've not got much time. It's, um, it's five to twelve. Um, so we talked a little bit there about our experiences individually, but it all comes down to being on the same page and, and creating the same culture, creating a culture in, in the church. What's going to be a great environment for our children to one day become Christians? Um, I'm going to skip this slide because that was Joe's thoughts and I thought I really have to ask Joe uh, what he thought of uh, his thoughts into this into this today's talk because Joe to me is an amazing example of someone who absolutely loves the kids and is committed I'm going to share about in a minute and he he sent me some thoughts back maybe ask Joe rather than we'll talk about it now so the church should be it should be safe should be a safe place but it loved and accepted no matter what. It should be a fun place. Our church should be a spiritual place where we are all special to God. Where we provide a place of worship for the children. Where Jesus is king and miraculous and the Bible is the authority in all our lives. Where we have good peer relationships. We want our children to have good, strong friendships in church. It's really important. Because later on in life, they can pull them back. And also, again, Joe here, good adult-child relationship, relationships. Joe is a great example of this. He knows every child so well. And they know that he's committed to them. And when children know that we're committed to them, it makes a world of difference. I just want to get Becky to share quickly. Have got time? No, I think I'll share with people in fellowship. Are you sure? Okay. Becky was going to share a story about something that happened at school recently, but come on, just share it quickly. Come on, Joe. We have got. Right, we well. go five minutes over. It's not a big, big problem, is it? Okay, okay. I'll try to be really brief. Sure. Um, okay, so just an example of um, a situation which was not to do with church. Um, but in school, Stop of by. a little girl who I was working with, and she was extremely quiet. You know, wouldn't even say what she wanted for lunch when I called the dinner register. Um, and in class, she could have become one of those children that was quite easily overlooked. And so she was in our very low ability group, and I decided to pinpoint her and kind of come alongside her a bit. And the more I did that, the more I really grew to like her. And, and up until that, I didn't know her because she was so quiet, so it was difficult to to like her because I didn't know her. And then the more I liked her, 
and the more I got to know her, the more um, she really blossomed and opened up and became very teachable. Um, and she's, you know, thankfully, not, it's not just my doing, it's all the other teachers that are in her life as well, you know, but she has made some remarkable progress. But it's because she, somebody had taken the time with her, they got to know her, so they've been able to like her. She knew that she was liked, and it helped to create a very teachable heart in her, whereas before she'd been very introverted and um, easily overlooked. So, I think that, that was really important to share. It, it, it's a, an example from school, but what I was going to try and get across is that children know. They see if we like them or not, and that has a massive difference on whether they listen and learn about whether it's godly stuff or not. We have to like and get to know our children and can be committed to them that they are, because then they'll learn and they'll respond. A child isn't going to respond uh, in an environment what they don't feel liked and loved. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. Um, so loving the kids as, as unconditional as, as we possibly can. Not a daisy petal, he loves me, he loves you not kind of culture, but they're always loved, if they're naughty or not, and that we're committed to them. That's really important as a, as, as a culture in the church. Reflecting God, that we too are sinners. A culture that we aren't perfect. As teachers in kids' kingdom or as parents, we're not perfect. One of the most powerful things is the kids get older, as they become teens, is I share my past. They don't know what I was like before I was a Christian. But sharing the fact that I was like this and like that when I was, before I became a Christian, you know, is really powerful. We forget we've been in their lives as Christians. They don't know what it was like before we were Christians. So as they get older, sharing that culture of all in the same boat together guys we're all sinners this is what I was like and that's powerful that's a culture we're trying to create not an us and them mentality but we're all in this together and being committed to the kids that makes us approachable when we're like that we're approachable as, as parents and as, as elder people who are approachable for them to come like Barry was saying deliver bad news ask questions that's the culture we're trying to create as a church and it drives out fear. Perfect love drives out, out, out fear. We don't want fearful children in the world when, the, you know, when they go about their lives. We want confident children. You know, they want us to be confident with us as well. And to finish off, in Luke it says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's given all of us his kingdom. It's for us and for our children. And he's pleased to give it to us. Let's be pleased to show our kids that God has given us his kingdom. Amen. Leave a comment wherever you see or hear this recording. Take care and God bless.